The reading is taken from uh, John chapter 12. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about half a liter of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he'd raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. And please may I add my very warm welcome to you all, uh, particularly if you are visiting uh, today. Um, Can I say also a very quick uh, thank you? It's wonderful to be living in Winchester. It's a real joy uh, to have been able to meet with so many of you in the last six months or so. Thank you for your welcome. Thank you too for your prayerful support as Ali and I settle into city life. And uh, thank you too for your prayerful support and encouragement as Ali uh, has been getting cracking with her exciting new role at Winchester College. Um, if you have your Bible, do please, uh, do please take it and uh, open it up. We're in John chapter uh, 12. Um, alternatively, if you've got your phone, do please take out your phone and turn to it there. Um, Brian's already prayed, so let's get started. These wonderful truths in John chapter 12 offer us so much. But this morning, we're just going to be focusing on three main truths. Firstly, Lazarus the living witness. Secondly, Mary, the devoted worshipper. And thirdly, Jesus, the Passover lamb. Well, firstly, Lazarus, the living witness. Have you ever been a witness? 20 years ago, I was called to be a witness in a crown court. I had to identify the defendants. I looked at a weapon. I was cross-examined. And the defence barrister asked me a series of questions to try and undermine 
my evidence? Had I driven a fellow witness to the court? Yes, I replied. Had we talked about the case? No, certainly not. Um, well, why not? Well, because I understood that to be talking with a fellow witness could be seen to prejudice the case and undermine our evidence as independent witnesses. Well, the barrister got up again. How on earth did I know this? To which I replied, I read law at university. <laughs> well, the prosecuting barrister found it uh, rather amusing, and the judge pulled down his glasses, leant over his bench, and said, I think you'll have to adopt a different line of questioning to this witness. Well, hopefully I had some credibility as a witness that morning. But this morning, we're considering Lazarus, the living witness. You'll remember that Lazarus was desperately sick. He died and was buried. Four days later, Jesus arrived, and he called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And when Lazarus heard Jesus' voice, we're told, the dead man came out. Well, you can probably guess, but I used to be a housemaster to 70 delightful teenage boys. And I'd have to try and get them along to chapel and to lessons on time. I'd pop into common rooms, I'd knock on doors, I'd encourage guys to get out and get moving. I think it's fair to say my success rate was pretty mixed. But when, La when Jesus said to Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus heard his voice. He was raised to life and he walked out of the tomb. Jesus raised Lazarus more easily than I could get the boys into chapel. You see, Lazarus is the living witness to the Lord Jesus' power and authority over life and death. Well, naturally, his family held a celebratory dinner in Jesus' honor, we were told in, in verse 2. And while they, and while they ate, and verse 9 explains that a, large crowd, that a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. And for emphasis, verse 9 repeats that exact phrase in, in, in verse 2. It was Lazarus whom Jesus had raised from the dead. News had traveled far and wide around downtown Bethany. People wanted to see Lazarus, the living witness. So how do we apply this evidence of Lazarus, the living witness, to ourselves? The final verses give us two contrasting responses. Do please look down if you've got your Bible with you. Verse 10. So the chief priest made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. May I ask you gently, what or who are you believing in? What are you trusting your life with? Will we trust the evidence of Lazarus, the living witness? Will we trust the evidence that Jesus did indeed raise Lazarus? It shows, doesn't it, that Jesus has authority over life and death. Will we come to Jesus for his resurrection life? Lazarus, the living witness.
Secondly, Mary, the devoted worshipper. I wonder, what are we devoted to? Are we devoted to our friends, our family, listening or playing music, watching or playing sport, being in the garden, doing the housework? Mary was a devoted worshipper of Jesus. She loved to listen at Jesus' feet to his teaching. And verse 3 of our reading describes Mary's very special devotion. Please look down. Then Mary took about half a litre of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. What a moving portrait. The perfume was worth a year's wages. What a generous sacrifice. And what devotion to Jesus as Mary pours the perfume and anoints him. But more than this, in letting her hair down, Mary shows incredible intimacy, even wiping Jesus' feet with her hair. What extravagant devotion. And the whole house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Like the worship and sacrifice in Old Testament times, as Mary knelt at Jesus' feet, her love and her devotion to Jesus are a fragrance of worship of him. And what a contrast to Judas. Um, Verse 4 tells us, do please uh, look down. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) The curse of Siri. (laughs) That's right, Siri. What a contrast of two responses to the Lord Jesus. Mary, the devoted worshipper. Judas, the selfish betrayer. Judas's devotion was actually focused upon himself, not on the poor, and certainly not on Jesus. After all, we know that later that week, Judas would arrange with the chief priests to betray him. These verses pose such a challenge to us. How should we respond? Are we, like Mary, kneeling at Jesus' feet? Are we worshipping him with devotion? Is listening to Jesus and his words in the Bible our daily priority? When she was asked how she would respond when she was called to meet Jesus, Queen Victoria said she would take off her crowns and lay it at his feet. And I wonder, I wonder, how are these verses challenging and calling us? Are they calling us to be, like Mary, a devoted worshipper, to offer our worldly treasures to Jesus? 
There are charities like Open Doors who support persecuted Christians. The Langham Partnership trains Bible teachers to go out across the world. Our Ukrainian brothers and sisters need our support. And our diocese and our church need our active support to share the gospel here at home. Mary was a devoted worshipper of Jesus. Well, these verses have been telling us, haven't they, about firstly, Lazarus, the living witness. Secondly, Mary, the devoted worshipper. And thirdly, and lastly, about Jesus, the Passover lamb. These verses are bursting with resurrection life. But they're also a signpost. A signpost as Jesus walks the road to Calvary and the cross. Verse 1 tells us, six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. John draws our attention to the original Passover, when the Hebrew people were slaves in Egypt. The lamb, you may remember, the lamb was slain. Its blood was put on the doorframe, and the Hebrew sons were protected from God's plague of the firstborn. And in his conversation with Jesus, with Judas, Jesus explains the significance of Mary's actions. So in verse 7, the Lord Jesus says, Leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. Jesus is the Passover lamb. He's been prepared for his sacrifice on the cross. And little context will help us. This account here at the start of verse 12 is, is signposted. It's, it's, it's one of a number. And so in, verse, in chapter 11, the chief priests plot. And the high priest Caiaphas said, It is better for you that one man die for the people than the whole nation perish. And the gospel writer John explains that. He says, He, Caiaphas, did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And later, in chapter 12, Jesus enters Jerusalem and predicts his death. And in saying he must be lifted up, we're reminded of Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus in chapter 3, when Jesus says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. In recent years, the Prime Minister and the government have tried to convince us that the response to COVID was part of a plan. Do you remember two years ago, Plan A? And then everything changed in the autumn. And then just before Christmas, that first COVID Christmas, everything changed again. And last year, the official Plan B was announced. But not so with God, not so with the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus is God's one and only plan. The Lord Jesus is God's one and only plan for salvation, for forgiveness of sins, for eternal life. Jesus is the Passover lamb. And in his death on the cross, Jesus takes God's righteous punishment upon himself. He dies in our place. He dies for our sin. And so how should we respond to Jesus, the Passover lamb. Well, verse 11 shows us how. 
Many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. Have we put our faith? Do we believe in Jesus? Are we trusting that Jesus is the Passover lamb who died to bear our sins? In recent months, we've been looking at the book of Colossians here at Christchurch. And if we're already following, if we're already believing in Jesus, then actually the book of Colossians gives us that great advice. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Jesus' people are called to be like Mary, to continue to follow him and to be devoted worshippers. But it's likely that not everyone here today is necessarily believing in Jesus. We might be thinking about his teaching, about his person, about his miracles, about what he did on the cross, about his life and about his death. So may I warmly encourage you, if you are thinking about Jesus, to continue to be thinking about Jesus. And perhaps over Easter, you might like to read one of the gospel accounts for yourself. Perhaps that would help. Let's draw our thoughts together. There's so much in these wonderful verses. But this morning we've been thinking about three tremendous truths. Firstly, Lazarus, the living witness. Secondly, Mary, the devoted worshipper. And thirdly, we've been thinking about Jesus, the Passover lamb. These verses show that Jesus is the Passover lamb. The lamb on his way to the cross. The lamb who was slain for us. And they contrast the responses. They contrast the responses between Mary and Judas. They contrast the responses between those chief priests and to those Jewish people who came and believed in Jesus. How will we respond to Jesus, the Passover lamb? Let's spend a moment or two in quiet contemplation and prayer, and then I'll bring our prayers together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your great love. Thank you for your undeserved mercy towards us. And thank you that Jesus is the Passover lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Thank you that in him there is full forgiveness and the genuine hope of eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.